All right, Joe, let's talk about fighting sin uh, again for another week. We've been doing this for several weeks in a row as we are focusing this season of the Cross Training Ministries podcast all on um, teaching guys, training guys, and how to fight back against sin, giving them rules of war for how to go about doing this. So we've talked about playing good defense, playing good offense, uh, creating good, healthy habits in your life. And uh, today we're going to talk about something called the law of replacement. But before we jump into it, you were telling me you got a story of a garden that you want to in- wanted to introduce this by. So I want you to go for it. Yeah, well, uh, this isn't this isn't a personal story. I guess it's more of a, a, a parable. Uh, I do I do like a vegetable garden. I'm not very good at it, but I'm better <laughs> than this story. So, okay, okay. Uh, the image I want to leave with guys is uh, I want you to imagine that you decide you want to grow a garden, and so you know you go out, you you, you clear a plot of land, you pull weeds, and uh, you know you till the soil, and um, you just kind of sit and you watch. And every few days, you you go out and you. Uh, pull a few more weeds. Um, and you just do that for not just weeks, but months at a time. And uh, guess what? At the end of that process, you will find that you have no vegetables. I mean, it's kind of an obvious point. Um, but what's ridiculous is that's the approach most guys take to fighting sin. Um, so we think of it as, um, so what we're meant to do is we're meant to kill sin. And so I'm going to watch my heart. Um, I'm going to try to identify sin. I'm going to try to kill it. When actually the whole process is about something bigger than just plucking up weeds. Like this is part of growing in holiness. And uh, what we ultimately need to realize as men is that no sin's going to go away unless it's actually replaced, unless something is put into the ground um, in the place where that weed was growing and grows instead. And so, you know, that's what we're going to talk about today is just how do we not just think about what we're meant to kill? but what we're actually meant to cultivate. That's a great image, the garden there. I definitely am that gardener in a lot of ways. I'm not a great gardener. I've had a, a garden before, uh, but yeah, I spent a lot of time pulling weeds and not focusing on actually growing the vegetables and doing setting the soil. You know, a good gardener will tell you, get the soil right. That's what you got, right? You get, right. get the growing conditions right because your aim is, yeah, fruit at the end, uh, not just a, a garden of, of no weeds. As you were explaining that, though, it did... Uh, call to mind probably something that every parent has dealt with. Um, <laughs> if you if you ever like been tired, you walk in to the living room. Your kids have been watching TV for like an hour or whatever, been playing video games. You're like, kids, turn it off. You know, we're done. We're we're done with TV. We're done with video games. We're not doing it anymore. Turn it off. And then I don't know how your kids, what your kids do, Joe, but mine, what they will do if I say turn the TV off, they start following me around like lost puppies. <laughs> Because all I've told them is to turn off the TV, stop watching TV. Yeah. Right. And that's all. So then they just follow me around like they're lost. Like they have nothing else to do. Like they don't have a room full of toys to play with. Right. Uh, But this is, you're right. This is the image I think that's appropriate when we start talking about if we tell guys, hey, kill sin, go out, kill sin. And we need to put effort into that. But if we do it just like we're saying, pull weeds or turn the TV off, uh, and we don't give them something to do, something bigger, a bigger purpose in life, and a, an actual path to get on, and as something to aim for, which is we're aiming for getting on this path of holiness, righteousness. Uh, if we don't highlight that, uh, then we've missed the point a little bit, and guys are um, ultimately going to end up just walking around like lost puppies. Right, right. And so that's what we're talking about. I think you know we can introduce the rule for this week, and it's just 
we'll call it the, the, the law of replacement. And it's just the idea that ultimately the only way to kill a sin is to replace a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to kill a vice, you got to cultivate a virtue. And uh, this is what we need to, you know, help guys think about. Yeah. So uh, do you have, okay. Cause every week you've given me something from Romans. I assume you have another verse from Romans to give me this week on. Absolutely. I mean, right, this is, you know, Romans <laughs> is you... where Paul goes through the gospel, right? So if we're going to think about a kind of gospel approach to this. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so definitely. So I thought I would point guys this week to uh, Romans chapter 13, um, starting verse 11 and 12. I'll read these verses. Paul says, uh, besides this, you know, the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Hmm. And um, I think there's several things tucked away in this verse that are really helpful for thinking about fighting sin. Um, One of them that's really interesting is the way that Paul says in verse 11 uh, that we know the time Hmm. and the idea that, night is behind us and the day is at hand. And I think part of what's so powerful about that image is um, we often think that as Christians, like the fight against sin, we're missing out. But in Paul's mind, like we, we can see the world as it really is. Like we don't have to be confined to that, you know, stumbling around in the darkness and just doing whatever you can do with no sight. Like we can see what's better. And so it's like knowing this time, he says that what we're meant to do is to put off the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light. And these two things are always related in Paul's mind. Whenever he says that something needs to be put off, he immediately begins uh, shortly thereafter to talk about what needs to be put on. Hmm. And what we need to see is the connection between this. It's not just that there's bad things and there's good things, but actually part of the process of putting off is putting on. Like it's Mm -hmm. ultimately about one grand uh, act that we're meant to be doing, which is uh, growing into the likeness of Jesus. And what's really interesting is later on, if, if you, in verse 13, he talks about some, some sort of typical sins, but then he comes back in verse 14 and he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. And um, what's interesting is that language of put on, it really is the language of get dressed. And so we're meant to get dressed in the Lord Jesus and his character is what we're meant to display in our life. And so going back to where we started, you know, this is about something much bigger than just let's get rid of our vices. Mm-hmm. Um, this is about, we want to go into the world and we want the world to see Christ in us and all of his strengths and virtues to be growing in these areas as uh, his followers. Yeah, that's good. I, 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 I am always a little skeptical, I will say of guys that come to me and say, you know, I've been struggling with such and such sin and I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm done. You know, maybe it's, uh, I've had an addiction to porn and I'm, I'm cutting that out of my life. Maybe, you know, it's anger or pride, whatever it is, I'm stopping, I'm done. And then they end the conversation there. And they say, right. I'm, I'm, I'm finished. I'm going to, I'm going to quit this thing. And then a week later, I haven't seen a lot of change. And some of the basics like, okay, they still didn't really come to church. They, they still right. haven't really participated in small group that much. Like not much else in their life has changed aside from the fact that they quit 
doing the one thing that probably got them in trouble or got them in a bad situation in life, right? Uh, I'm always a little skeptical of, the, uh, of those guys, kind of like, this doesn't have long-term, this doesn't have sustainability, right? They're, they're, this isn't going to last. You quit something, but you never really grabbed on to something worthwhile to head for. You put off, but you didn't put on. And uh, I think this is where we can, as groups of men, um, even look at some of our, the, the ways we hold each other accountable. I love accountability questions. I think accountability questions are helpful, but um, maybe even tweaking some of those. In some senses, what accountability questions do is they ask one another, what did you do? You know, what did you right. do last week? And you're, you're, you're trying to reflect on what did you do? Uh, what if we start asking questions about what will you do? You know, what if we asked one another those kind of questions? Not only what did you do last week that maybe you said you weren't going to do, but what will you do this week? Because that's more of the putting on kind of lifestyle that we as men of God want to live. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that, that's a great question. Um, and I think, you know, to, to put it in terms, I think a lot of guys can, can understand. I mean, you, you can think of the guy who, for example, wants to be able to hold his temper a little bit mm -hmm. better. Um, which is probably a noble thing, you know, to have a, a longer fuse than a shorter fuse. But if you think about it, like that's just going back to uh, uh, something we talked about a few weeks ago. It's just a kind of defensive thing. Like I just want to not get angry when actually, you know, we can push beyond that and think if we really want to get past that anger that's so explosive, we've got to learn empathy. We've got to be able to look and think, what's the world like from the experience of my child? How do they perceive me? How does my wife perceive me? Um, you know, what does it look like to really enter into their need and to sacrifice my own self-centeredness in order to show kindness to them? Like there's a whole complex of positive growth that's mm -hmm. required that goes well beyond just, you know, having a, a longer fuse. Yes. And I think it's important to remember in this too, uh, we're not pitching a lifestyle that's boring or right. dull, right? I, uh, I love, uh, actually, even when you mentioned the, uh, the garden analogy, what it called to mind was, was Psalm 1 to me, right? Yeah. And, and what we get there is the image of, you get the image of two different kind of people. One that's a you know, chaff blowing in the wind, the other that's a, a tree firmly rooted, and uh, Psalm 1 talks about, well, how do you get delight in the law of the Lord, right? There are, the first verse actually talks about three things not to do, how not to stand, sit, and walk, you know, don't do these things, but it's done in there. There's verse two that says, walk and, and delight in the right. way of the Lord. And that's, so in other words, this is fun, like, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? When it, we put on, it's fun. Yeah. No, I think, you know, if, if we were, if we were still in high school and, you know, we we're playing football, um, who wouldn't want to grow into the likeness of say Tom Brady? Um, or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to one of my favorite running backs, but like a Barry Sanders, you know, think back yes. to like his running style. Um, but what Paul tells us in the passage we read is that we're called to put on the armor of light hmm. and to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, this is like humanity at its best. Yeah. We're not at all talking about um, just stripping life of its goodness. We're talking about growing into the character that's most worthy of our esteem, admiration, and uh, long-term pursuit. That's great. So how then, Joe? Okay, so this, I get well, it. We need to pursue virtue. What does that even look like? Yeah, this is where we, this is where we stumble in yet another uh, difficulty, I think, for guys, because 
you know, this whole language of putting on, getting dressed um, depends upon knowing what you're meant to put on. So um, I live in Scotland, um, formal dress for men here, not a tuxedo. It's not a suit. It's a kilt. And a kilt is not just one thing. Um, first time I wore a kilt, like you've got like 30 things that they give you <laughs> ranging from like special socks and shoelaces to like a knife in the sock to like this sporing thing that sometimes got a head of like a fox on it. I mean, it was like piece after piece. And so I was looking at the, the bed thinking, I don't know how to get dressed. I had to look up a YouTube video um, to figure out what these things were. And um, I think, I think that, you know, that what's rele relevant to guys is if I say grown godliness, mm. a lot of guys aren't going to know what, what that is, yeah. what the yeah. positive virtues are that they should be pursuing. And so if their mind goes blank, it's like saying to a guy, get dressed. And he says, I don't even know what I'm supposed to wear. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. Like, I, First of all, I hope if I ever visit Scotland, I, I get a kilt. Is that like just automatically? Like when you come, that's the welcome gift. Do I get one? Well, I wish it, it is amazing. I will say I used to make fun of it. And then I wore it. It is. It is amazing. It's the most masculine uh, dress that's out there. No, I've heard it's great. I've got one friend with a kilt and he swears by it. He's, he, he thinks it's but he actually gardens in his kilt. So that's uh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> he, but uh, but yeah, no, it's like when we put these things on, we first have to start by saying, how, what does this even look like? What are the things that I start with? Where, you know, let me phrase it this way. If you were to write a, a manual, give someone a, like a one page manual of here's how to start growing in virtue, or here's what does begin pursue. I don't know. What does that even look like? Where, where would you start guys off at? Yeah. Uh, first would just, I tell guys, uh, step one is going to be, be a student of virtue. So for example, for example, if you love watching American football, um, you are a student of the game, you know, and you pay attention and over time you can, you can, you can look and you can spot, uh, certain formations and you know what a good player in each position looks like. We need to have that same attitude with, with virtue. And so, two ways we can grow in this area. One is um, when you get to a list of character traits in the mm -hmm. New Testament. Um, so for example, going back to Colossians 3, which we love in cross training, um, Paul talks about you know, putting on compassion, hearts, kindness, meekness, humility, and patience. What we tend to do is lump all that together and say, oh, Paul's telling us to be good. And it's like, <laughs> no, he's saying that there are five or six specific things we're meant to put on. And so to actually stop, look up those words, you know, mm. get a definition, make it concrete in your head. But with that, here's another thing is uh, look for models. So if you're watching a, a movie and uh, it doesn't matter what it is, but if you find your heart compelled by like some picture, you might be watching Gladiator. Um, mm. But think about Russell Crowe's character. What is it? Now, I'm not saying everything you admire is going to be good. But if you start looking at the stories, looking at the films in, uh, in your life, you're going to begin to recognize there's virtue, there's vice. How do I label these things? Um, and so what does courage really look like? What does self-control look like? Who models it really well? Mm. And, uh, you know, with, with movies, I'd say that's where biography is so useful. I mean, because we get examples of heroic Christians that have been remembered because they've had certain character traits. And so... You know, step one, you know, be a student. And then step two is going back to last week, that law of habit, begin to practice, hmm. you know, think about who you want to be. And if you get an opportunity to, uh, to grow in that area, do it. Um, whether it's courage, whether it's kindness, um, whether it's forgiveness, 
um, whether it's whatever it is, just if you can see, here's this moment, I'm wanting to pull back and, and feed that vice that's been typical of my life, but I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. And in this moment, I'm going to work against my character and I'm going to practice a new character. And it's that repetition um, over time that I think begins to really begin to, to shift our direction. Yeah, it it draws me to uh, maybe even a thought exercise of because it's this idea of practice. If, what if we began practicing this and doing this? Um, I think a lot of us may sit back and think, you know, what if my every boardroom uh, or every political office were filled with people that uh, were fighting against sin? Okay, that would be man, that that'd be incredible, right? Or the even better question I think we're asking here is, what if every boardroom, every political office were full of people that were like pursuing virtue, like pursuing <laughs> like that? Wow, that would be incredible. But uh, to be to put it more specific for each, what if? you know, my cubicle, what if the cubicle I'm sitting in <laughs> was full of a people that were pursuing virtue? What if I was doing that? What would it look like for me to per- pursue courage, to pursue honesty, to pursue all of these great things in my workplace? What would my home look yeah. like if not only was I fighting against sin, we all know sin ruins boardrooms, political offices, homes, individual lives. We know that. But man, what if I filled my home with the pursuit of these virtues. That's a, that's a challenging exercise for sure for each of us, I think. Yeah. And this is where I think guys should, should just know in, in any, any book that's talking about character change or, or habit, even the secular ones will make this point is the motivational power of identity. Hmm. Like if you begin to see something and you really identify with it, then you begin to want to act according to that character. And that's exactly anything in Paul's context put on the Lord Jesus Christ that yeah. in a real sense. Okay. Yeah. That this is who I identify with. How do I see Jesus acting? How do I represent that character where I am? You know, the more we just are filled with kind of a sense of our identity in him, the more we're going to act out of that character as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, I want to uh, take some time now to look at maybe applying this to a specific sin. Uh, so we've looked at different sins each week just to try to help guys. Look, there are sins that are killing guys out there, right? We can look at things. This is killing me. How do I, how do I actually follow through in some of this? Uh, so let's talk about greed today mm. and look at what is greed. Uh, let's just start there, actually, before we move on. Give me a definite. You got some. You've brought me every week a weird definition, Joe, like something that I, that is not what I would have written down as my definition. So I'm assuming that you've done something uh, as well this week. What, it, you know, what is greed? Yeah, uh, my definition of greed is caring more about stuff than people. Um, mm. So this That's is great. Where you gotta, and we always want to we always want to get to the place where we see and feel the evil of a vice because that mm. will kind of have a repelling uh, force. And so we need to just see is greed and hate. I mean, they're like, you know, they're, they're, they're twins. Um, so, you know, the problem with greed is all of a sudden, rather than people that we're called to love and we know as Christians are called to serve, there's something else, you know, hmm. whether it's money, it could be success. It could be just accumulating stuff, but I actually love that more than people. So now I'm going to sacrifice people so I can have more of whatever this thing is. And that's a really hateful attitude to have. Yeah, gosh. Okay. I thought this was the one week I wasn't going to be feeling very convicted about this particular sin. <laughs> you know, I, I saw, see, okay, let's talk about greed. Here's what I think. Uh, rich people struggle with greed. 
That's that's, that's why, right? Right. And, uh, you know, as long as I'm poor, I'll never struggle with greed. That's my initial thoughts. But uh, you threw people in the mix there and hate and that that complicated things for me, Joe. Why? So why is it more expansive than that? And how does that? Okay, let's then talk about the pursuit of, of virtue through this. How does it affect the lives of guys? Yeah. Well, so yeah, let's, let's first, let's just keep broadening it for guys. Yes. So just to see, uh, you know, money, we know greed can be connected with just accumulating as much money. And in a sense of kind of more than more than's needed and sacrificing <laughs> people for money. Um, but let's think about some other things that guys that may not care about money would struggle with. So you know, two things that pop into my mind, success and fitness. Um, they're not bad, but it's not hard for the guy to think, okay, I care more about fitness and I'm going to, you know, achieve my aspirations to, to do these triathlons or these marathons or, you know, CrossFit at this level. Mm -hmm. Now my kids are being sacrificed. And so now that that's a greedy spirit, um, or same with, you could do something similar with success. And so we just need to see is that this is a passion that threatens um, our lives. And so once you see, you need to put it off following what we've talked about, the law of replacement, the question is, what do I need to put on? Hmm. And there are a few things that we need to plant in that soil in place. Um, you know, generosity is the obvious one with money, um, rather than accumulate give, but let's go with the non-obvious, um, which I would say sacrifice and contentment kill, Mm. uh, greed. So, um, I may have a a desire. I may have something I would really like, but the truth is that's going to create friction and not allow me to love the people God's put in my life. Am I willing to sacrifice that Hmm. and be content with what God's given me um, and not fulfill all my self-driven aspirations? You know, that's the kind of spirit, that willingness to freely sacrifice what otherwise I might have a right to, because I want to love people. That's the that's the place that the heart will begin to kill the the sin of greed. Yeah, bring bringing people into this mix, others besides myself, does uh, man, it does expand this in a way that I, that I do think is helpful. Uh, is it okay if I go back to my admiration of the Amish? Is that weird? I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not saying that they're the perfect. I'm just so here's yeah. Uh, it, it calls to mind. I'm sure is, some of these tools in your garage do not fit, you know, Amish criteria, just so you no, know. They do not. Yeah, there's there's way too much electricity going on in here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's a question that every Amish community is a little different. But there's one question that most of them will ask before they introduce something into their community, like electricity or a car or a washing machine. They don't have those things, not because there's like one general rule. Hey, you're not allowed to have these. They ask a question. To their, for themselves, they say, will this thing, whatever it is, be a hindrance to the people of this community and the purpose of this community? Is this stuff going to get in the way of us being who we are and why we are, basically, is what, what they're trying to ask. And that's, and I admire that about them because they're saying there's something we can introduce into this community that is probably good, like a washing machine, whatever. There, there are some communities that have those, but uh, there's some things that you can probably justify. But as you look at it, you know, what if we asked uh, about the iPhone that's just thrown at us? Will the introduction of this into my home, you know, this stuff, yeah. will this be something that helps the people fulfill the purpose where we're at? That that does make things a little harder to say, ooh, we need to maybe cut back on some things and then puts us, okay, so what are the things we're going to spend our time with? You know, if we're 
you know, uh, cutting out some stuff. Where are the people and purpose in our lives and what are we going to pursue there? Um, so that can be a helpful way, just a question for us to ask. Yeah. And when, when greed shows its face, we're in whatever realm of life. Um, what are you, if you introduce those things, if you really got that desire fulfilled, what is it going to do to the people in the community and the home and all of that around you? Yeah, now that's good. And that's where, yeah, there's this being a community of love. So fundamental. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're meant to grow into, you know, as Christian men uh, with our families, with our churches is it's not about me. It's about us. It's about God. It's about his love flowing through us and being seen in this world. And so, guys, you know, if we're going to kill greed, all of these sins, ultimately putting on love, the love of Christ is going to be at the very heart of seeing these sins put to death. Yes. Yes. That's it. So do you, before I close this out, you got anything else that you want to give guys in uh, regards to virtue and pursuing um, pursuing a life of, of virtue? Uh I think just uh, one takeaway for each guy to think about. Um, So you're probably aware of the sin that is, you know, wreaking havoc in your life. Ask this week, well, what's the virtue that needs to replace that? Because you maybe haven't seen that. So spend a little time trying to define it. Um, Think about some compelling models of that virtue and then look for those opportunities, not just to say no, but to Mm -hmm. say yes to what you're meant to become. Yeah, that's good. uh... In attachment to that, I was talking to a friend earlier this week, actually, about us uh, starting to build a what I've heard labeled a a bookshelf of invisible advisors. And I love that idea of, hey, there are some guys out there that have there's biographies and such out there of men that have pursued these lives of of radical uh, generosity and things like the virtues that I do want to infect my life. What if I had a bookshelf of these invisible advisors of sorts? Uh, So men, you can start to even think through that. What what are the things I'm reading? How can I uh, let that infect my life? Um, But we hope that you will go forward. Yes, kill sin. But man, bigger than that, we are here to help you train in spiritual fitness and see a life of righteousness that's ahead of you and and head on that path. Uh, So if you need help, either as an individual or as a group, you can visit our main website, uh, xtrainingministries.com, and you'll see that there's a pathway there for you to start to get on uh, to pursue this life of holiness. And we want to help you out with that. Uh, But until next week, I guess we'll, we'll just, yeah, we'll see you next time.